Today's show is brought to you by my friends at Winefellas. Winefellas is your wine club for small allocation, hard to find natural wines from around the world. They specialize in organic and biodynamic wines that are made using traditional winemaking methods, but with minimal intervention. They're free of added sugar and chemical additives. They're low in sulfites. Their bottlings the wine world describes as, quote, natural wines. These are wines as they were meant to be enjoyed with nothing standing between you and pure expressive fruit. What I love most about Winefellas, aside from the fact that they only source the best natural wines in the world, but they also go the extra mile by giving you a fact sheet on each bottle that contains authentic alcohol content, residual sugars, sulfur dioxide and parts per million, pH and acidity. Learn more about Winefellas by visiting them at winefellas.com. That's W-I-N-E-F-E-L-L-A-S.com. And be sure to use the code FEDANDFIT for $10 off your first wine club shipment. Welcome back to another episode of the Fed and Fit Podcast. I am your host, Cassie Joy Garcia, and I am especially excited about today's episode. I'm chatting with dear friend, Liz Wolf, about preconception best practices. I'm going to quickly introduce you to her, and then I'll pass the baton off to Liz because she, she can talk about herself better than I can. <laughs> She is an author, podcaster, parent, and nutritional therapy practitioner who is passionate about real food, safe beauty, and healthy families. She's the author of the Wall Street Journal bestseller, Eat the Yolks, the Purely Primal Skincare Guide, and she's currently working three years in on a comprehensive program called Baby Making and Beyond, which will give parents and parents-to-be everything they need to know how to Thrive Through Fertility, Pregnancy, and Parenthood. Welcome to the show, Liz. Thanks for having me. I'm glad we finally got this on the books and it's working out beautifully so far. It is. I'm so excited. Um, I, think, I think I probably started chatting with Liz about wanting to come on the show and pick her brain on these topics way before I conceived. <laughs> <laughs> And now uh, we're recording this uh, podcast in advance, so I'm not quite sure when it'll air, but there's a really good chance we got a little nugget on the ground by the time this is on the airwaves. Oh my gosh. I can't wait. I'm sure you can't wait. Oh, did I tell you I put a little I put a little something something special in the mail for you yesterday? You did. I did. I'm so excited for you to get it. Oh, that's so nice. You're the best. Well, it's not really for you. It's it's for the baby. It's for the baby. Yeah. It's even better. I'm at that point now. So this is um, the week before Christmas. And my mom was asking, well, what can I get you for Christmas? Like anything for the baby. Yep. <laughs> yep. Like, I guess I'm officially a parent. <laughs> you are officially a parent. You are. You do not matter anymore. And I mean that in the best way possible. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh, man. Okay. Well, I have, um, I have a whole list of things I'd love to pick your brain on. Liz has yes. always been one of my most trusted resources. She's a dear friend, and I feel very fortunate that when I tackle, I encounter a question that I can't wrap my mind around. I shoot her a message and I ask her, and I'm excited to do that essentially in a, in a format that allows other people to benefit from not only how she's put in a tremendous amount of work and research in not baby making and beyond. I cannot wait for that to be available and refer folks to it. Um, but something that I always admire about how Liz approaches her work is she really 
does, you do a great job of approaching from all corners of an issue. Um, and then what you present is kind of like, here's what I found across the literature and, and then period. And then you allow folks to really kind of make decisions for themselves. And I've always admired that. Um, so thank I feel, you. Yeah. So I feel really great about asking you some of these. Okay. So we're jump right in. So today's episode is all about preconception best practices. When Austin and I were first thinking about starting a family, really, I guess that conversation started when we were dating slash engaged. You know, we knew one day we wanted to have a family and we got married when I was 29. Um, and so I wasn't, I'm in Texas and I don't mean to stereotype. I have a lot of friends though that had babies much younger than me. Yeah. And it was one of those things where it, it got me thinking, you know, do, am I behind on, <laughs> on preparing my body for these things? So preconception best practices was something that I really started to hone in on and do some research and you were very helpful, but I would love it if you could kind of kick us off with some of what you think are some of the biggest myths out there um, when it comes to approaching preconception, uh, how to prepare our bodies from a really solid, holistic perspective based in good science. I think, well, let me say what you said before about how I approach things is also the reason why this project has taken three years to come <laughs> out. I, because I mean, what is more of a hot button issue than like, pregnancy and parenthood. There's nothing more emotionally charged than that. And I feel like in the community that we're in, people tend to come from a certain set of values. And what was important to me was to question everything before I even put anything out there, including even the values that I held dear around food and pregnancy and parenthood and all of that. And this whole journey has just kind of rocked my world. And it's, it's been amazing, but it's also why it's taken so long. And I have to say with this type of thing, it was very important to me to recognize my own shortcomings and basically work with people who are much, much smarter than me. Um, so I've been working with some very smart people, some PhDs, neuroscientists, people who really understand how to mine the literature to really figure out the, the best, I don't want to say answers to all of the questions because there's always context to be considered, but people that can really sit down and say, this is what I'm finding in the literature. Like, let's discuss what this probably means. And that's another reason why it's taken so long, but it's also why it's going to be so good when it's ready to go. It's going to be so good. It's going to be so good. <laughs> so I will remark on what I think is probably the greatest myth out there when you become ready to have a family. And I think this is something that most people's practitioners will tell them is uh, just start taking your prenatal and uh, you know, there's nothing else you really need to do. Just, you know, bump uglies and see how it goes. <laughs> and that, well, there's two myths in there. First of all, you know, I don't want to, you know, freak people out and make people feel like they have to do 10,000 things to get ready to have a baby. But I think the biggest myth is that you don't really need to think about anything else. And the fact is, I think when you're ready to have a kid, I think that's when you start accumulating what information you can and doing the best you can to take care of yourself. And to me, that means um, mitigating your stress, starting to sleep better. Sure, you can take a good prenatal, but it probably you, most people are best served by taking a prenatal that checks certain boxes. 
I would not be inclined to recommend somebody just goes down to the corner drugstore and grabs something off the shelf there um, unless that was the only option, in which case that's cool. We can work with that. We'll do everything that we can to, to work around that. But if you have the choice going and getting a prenatal that has methylfolate instead of folic acid, that contains choline, which is really, really important. Sorry, there's probably going to be dogs barking and kid noises. That's There's not Perfect. a whole I can do about it. I love it. <laughs> um, just working with what we got here. But a prenatal like the one from Innate Response would be good. There's a whole foods-based prenatal from Pure Synergy that is also good. So really kind of choosing based on the ingredients in the prenatal instead of just grabbing something off the shelf. I think the reality is once you're ready to have kids, you're going to be bombarded with a ridiculous amount of information. This is probably the least of that information, but it's definitely um, worth looking at something that's a little bit better than something just off the shelf you know, at the, at the corner drugstore. On top of that, I think another myth is that you just kind of do the deed and hope it all goes well. I find that so, so many women don't know anything about their cycles. Mm -hmm. And it's really unfortunate because I hope to impart some knowledge of like what it means to be a woman to my daughter, um, what her cycles mean from day to day. And that's something that so many of us, we've been going to the gynecologist since we were at least 18, many of us, and we have no idea what the luteal phase is, what ovulation means, when the proper time to plan intercourse is. And that's like a really it's a really easy topic to grasp. I mean, it's not, but the basics of it, what you need to know when you're trying to get pregnant is actually pretty simple. And having that foundation of knowledge enables you to troubleshoot, which might be kind of a funny way to put it, troubleshoot. I don't know. Maybe that's <laughs> too obscure to be funny, but enables you to troubleshoot when things aren't happening the way you want it to. I think a lot of folks go directly to, for example, the reproductive endocrinologist when the problem really is just the timing of intercourse. You don't know when you're ovulating and you don't know um, what your cervical fluid should look like or the position of your cervix. And all of those things can be figured out at home for basically no money and really enables you to take control of the process. I love that. And I want to interject really quickly with my own personal experience there. Um, I am a wide open book with the folks here. <laughs> Talk about a funny metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, but when, you know, gosh, when Austin and I were, I all say open to the idea of having a baby, our first approach was similar to that was just kind of like, oh, I'm not really not going to plan. I'm not going to plan things. We're just going to see what happens. And then, four or five months go by and I'm like, I don't, I don't understand what's going on. Why, why aren't we with baby yet? Mm -hmm. And really what happened to your point, even as a nutrition consultant, knowing what I know, and I've written documents on studying the, the cycles, you know, the female cycles, I was still ovulating four days sooner mm -hmm. than I thought I was. Mm -hmm. And it was incredible. As soon as I timed it, you know, through temperature, you can also, I also used ovulation sticks because I was like, we're just figuring this out with all <laughs> the tools. Um, that's exactly when it happened. It was, it was so interesting. And I was, I was fascinated. I'm glad I had the experience because now I can, you know, I learned something from it, but yeah, it is, it is so valuable knowing more about your cycle going into it. Yeah. 
That's really interesting. Well, wonderful. Well, I'm curious. Um, prenatal is probably one of the questions that I get the most about, and I'm really glad you tackled that from the get-go. When it comes to, I was going to ask you about uh, lifestyle factors, but I'm also going to spring you with some nutrition questions. You know, that's kind of a, that's a question that I think a lot of people rattle around in their minds. What should I be eating if I'm trying to prepare my body for a baby? Um, and then what are maybe some things that I should avoid? So just a note here, one of the things that I've gone back and forth on so many times as I've been developing this program with Meg, the midwife, who is a, a midwife in Canada. Um, the cool thing, by the way, about midwives in Canada is that they work in home birth and hospital settings. So she has like, she's run the gamut on uh, birth experiences, which is amazing from home birth to surgical. So I would be remiss if I didn't mention her as my partner in this project. But uh, one of the things Oh my gosh, I completely forgot the question. That's okay. Mom brain. Are you kidding me? I just shared a meme from chat books the other day that said, I don't want to brag, but I can actually forget what I'm doing while I'm doing it. <laughs> That's amazing. Ow. Um, nutritionally. Nutrition. Yeah, yes. yeah, nutritionally. Okay. Oh my gosh. So I've gone back and forth between whether we can really get everything we need from food and whether that's actually a smart approach versus the combination of the prenatal and food and yada, yada, yada. And what I've, where I've kind of landed is that it's probably possible to do everything that you need to do with food. However, I think that modern life is such that even if a prenatal is only getting you from like 92% to 99%, I think it's worth having a prenatal in the rotation. The, the challenge for me early on was, well, if I tell people they can take a prenatal, then not that anybody should listen to me, they should listen to their healthcare practitioner. But if I start talking about prenatals that I like or the one that I used, people are going to end up accidentally relying too much on that as a source of nutrition and not emphasizing food as much. And I just landed on, you know, give people that information that you just need to be really careful that you're getting nutrition from food as well as your prenatal and go from there. So I think if you wanted to plan it really carefully, you could probably do everything you needed to do with food, but I think it's definitely worth having a prenatal around. So Food-wise, one of the things that we've spent a ton of time researching, my partner for researching this is Amanda Torres, who is um, a scientist. She's actually the woman behind the Curious Coconut. She's brilliant. And she worked with me on the vitamin A question for, I mean, she has been working with me on it for months and months and months. And what I wanted to figure out was how we can best recommend women get their vitamin A and vitamin A being a fat soluble vitamin, meaning the body can store it. So how we can help women build up their vitamin A stores preconception to take them into those first weeks of pregnancy, because I know we hear a lot about folate, but vitamin A is actually unbelievably critical as well. So it's another one that was really, really important to me to understand and discuss in this program. And what I think a lot of people don't understand is that beta carotene, which is often stated to be basically equivalent to vitamin A because it is converted into vitamin A in the body, that beta carotene is enough to supply your vitamin A requirements. And that's really not true. Many people have 
genetic mutations in metabolism of vitamin A and yada, yada, yada. Don't want to scare people into thinking they're never going to be able to get enough vitamin A. But the very simple truth is get lots of beta carotene from your fruits and veggies. And most prenatals have beta carotene, but also be really conscientious about food sources of, I guess I want to call it active vitamin A, converted vitamin A that's actually doing different things in the body. So egg yolks, liver, I know it's disgusting, but preconception is a great time to eat your liver and get that vitamin A stored up because a lot of women can't stomach it once they're actually pregnant. So it's a perfect time. Let's see, egg yolks, liver, some cod liver oil here and there I think is great. And also just checking to be sure that you're hitting the vitamin A targets with actual vitamin A versus beta carotene. Beta carotene is kind of just like icing on the cake. So I hope I didn't, I hope that wasn't too confusing. I really didn't have my speech prepared on vitamin A, but I think that's a really, really important topic. And I think most women are not getting enough. I don't want people to run out and, you know, start chugging cod liver oil for their vitamin A, but I do think this is one of those nutrients that I would recommend women really know how much they're getting, what form of it they're getting, and pay attention to that from preconception all the way through pregnancy. I think this is a great spot to stop and hear from one of our sponsors. FabFitFun is a seasonal subscription box with full-sized beauty, fitness, fashion, and lifestyle products. Four times a year, you have the ability to customize the products or choose to be surprised. This is a great way to indulge in some of the very best products that are hot right now. I really feel like these boxes help keep me current. They retail for $49.99, but are packed with premium products valued at over $200. I am always genuinely blown away by the quality of the products. You can use the coupon code FEDFIT, one word, F-E-D-F-I-T, for $10 off your first box at www.fabfitfun.com. Again, use the coupon code FEDFIT for $10 off your first box at www.fabfitfun.com. Great. That's really great. Before Austin and I um, conceived cricket, uh, I remember one night we had we had chicken livers for dinner and <clears throat> really for that specific purpose. Um, and that dinner was, t- I, so when I recipe develop, I try to start with the most simple ingredients possible. And then we add complexity as necessary, right? Just Mm -hmm. because that's how I like to cook. And we took those bad boys, marinated them and Frank's red hot (laughs) and grilled them. And it was the worst thing I've Uh, ever eaten. uh, Um, I've since figured out delicious ways. I have a couple recipes. If you Google fed and fit liver, um, a couple different options should come up as ways that I was able to get it in. Um, But, you know, I remember sitting there at that dinner table in Austin, who's He's not as nutritionally minded, but he respects, I think, my my profession, of course, and and take on those things. And man, he was a trooper. He ate half a pound of chicken livers. <laughs> Good for him. Yeah. Well, um, it's important for men too. Vitamin A, zinc, it's important for guys too. It is. Yeah. Go at it together. But um, anyway, just wanted to throw that out there in case you're thinking, gosh, but I don't like it. I don't like those kinds of foods. Um, be a little inventive. There's some There's some good recipes out there. I have yeah. one for a meatball. Uh, caramelized onions really mask the liver flavor. And so it makes a really yummy dish. Okay. That's really great information, Liz. I love it. Um, I also remember asking my doctor about, well, never mind. I won't go down those weeds. <laughs> it's, 
too far. It'd be too misleading. It would raise more questions than it would answer. Well, you know what? I should probably say that there's a, there's a, there's a true doctors and practitioners will often say avoid vitamin A because it can be teratogenic. It can cause birth defects. And we've gone through all of the literature surrounding that. I feel like we really have a good grip on what levels are appropriate, what are not. You have to kind of the fact is that even without genetic mutations, and I should say single nucleotide polymorphisms, not actual mutations, we're not talking about like aliens or anything like that, but even absent any mutations, any of the most common ones, which I actually just found out I have a bunch of them. And I didn't even know that before I got pregnant. We have a healthy, beautiful child. So I'm not saying you have to do this or you are not going to have a healthy baby. The body has a million ways of compensating even for genetic polymorphisms, which is a beautiful, beautiful thing. But so I'm not trying to scare people, but I think it's really interesting that even absent any polymorphisms, beta carotene is still generally poorly converted into vitamin A. And there are a lot of different things that kind of control those levers. So I'm not telling people to go out and eat a pound of liver every day. I'm talking mm-hmm. about Linus Pauling's general recommendation on vitamin A in pregnancy and hitting that target with vitamin A instead of beta carotene, because there's still like some confusion even with healthcare practitioners about which is which. No, the actual recommendations that are accepted by governments and by most gynecologists are referring to actual vitamin A. So you are totally safe to hit those targets with actual vitamin A without mm-hmm. worrying about you know, some of the more fear-mongering that comes out surrounding vitamin A. That said, I think it's important for me to say that I do not agree with the recommendations of several people in the paleo community or the Weston A. Price Foundation. We just didn't find it in the literature. And I feel like it's, there's too much at stake to just say, yeah, this is appropriate for everybody the Mm -hmm. way they do. So I think there's a lot to consider. And we talk about that more in the program. Awesome. I can't wait to dig into it. Um, What do you think, you kind of touched on a few of them already, but what are some big missed opportunities when it comes to preconception practices that you haven't necessarily touched on yet? Missed opportunities. So two things I feel like I would say. I think there are some really, really affordable tests that people can order for themselves that are just kind of good to know. I don't want people running to get a million tests if they don't feel like they need to, but the test for vitamin D and the test for red blood cell magnesium, both both of those are very affordable. And most states, you can order them through requestatest.com or direct labs. Getting a picture of what your vitamin D status is um, and getting a picture of what your magnesium status is can really give you an indicator of overall health. Because if your body's really stressed, you might not even know it, but I think that your magnesium and your vitamin D levels will kind of reflect that. It's not the end-all be-all. You can also test red blood cell folate. It's not the most important thing in the world to run out and get these nutritional tests, but they're so affordable. It's kind of like if you're already taking the time to think about it months in advance, then this could be something to put in your toolbox. On top of that, I think what many people don't know is how long it takes for your body to get to the proper um, nutritional levels of nutrients like folate. So 
it takes about three months for you to become folate sufficient. So if you haven't been eating liver and leafy greens and legumes, you want to give yourself a couple months of lead time to start eating those really regularly so that you can get the proper levels and sustain them in your body. I think that's probably one of the bigger missed opportunities. And I miss that opportunity too, quite frankly. I, you know, we thought when we decided to get pregnant, I was like, yeah, we'll get pregnant in six months. But then you start thinking about it. You're like, okay, let's just do it now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm ready now. So (laughs) what's the difference? We're going to do it. Let's just do it now. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Um, Well, that leads me into my next question. If somebody is thinking, you know, I'm not ready to have a baby right now, but when, when do I really need to start considering this? When do I really need to start putting in some of these practices um, and thinking critically about what I am putting in and on my body? I think, I think a lot of people go to extremes and they give it a year, six months, and that's a long time to be stressing out over this stuff. So I think, I think three months is reasonable. And for many reasons, I think three months is enough that you can really get some robust nutrition in for a while. You can get to know your cycles a little bit. If you're tracking your temperature and your cervical fluid, you can probably identify any potential issues like you're not ovulating or you don't have um, sperm-friendly cervical fluid, that type of thing. And then you go for it. I think psychologically as well as nutritionally, that's probably an adequate amount of time to plan for. Six months is pretty ideal, but from my experience, most people really don't want to (laughs) and don't end up waiting that long. (laughs) I love it. Okay. Three months. That's a really good ballpark. And then outside of nutrition, what matters? Oh golly, sleep. I mean, so I have I've been spending all this time working on the nutrition portion of baby making and beyond because I know how controversial so many of these nutrients are and we needed a really robust body of scientific evidence around everything that we were talking about. Now, that said, I actually think sleep and stress are more important. But it's also more straightforward. Like everybody knows stress isn't good and sleep is great. So, those are the two things. If you can get those in line, you're going to be sitting pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. And it's reassuring too, because it's relatively low hanging fruit. Yes. Which is um, great. It is great. Yeah. The, if the biggest ticket item that you can do to really help prepare yourself is relatively as simple as getting more sleep, then that's a really reassuring thing. Yeah. And then um, I would love it if we could talk, there's pro- I kind of mentioned this to Liz before we started recording, but Um, if somebody is listening and experiencing some sort of difficulties when it comes to conceiving, and that could be an ocean of possibilities, right? Um, But do you have any sort of a compass that you would put in that person's hand, you know, to kind of help navigate maybe a little bit where they're at if they're feeling frustrated, depending on where they are in the process? Yeah. So a lot of people who have been through this already know all of these things. So what I'm going to throw out there is for the people who are just now like, okay, wait, this is not working. I thought thought we'd be pregnant by now and haven't really explored all of these other options because there are people that have and they're like, yeah, I done that, did that, did that, did that too. But if you are um, kind of unsure of what's going on and why you're not getting pregnant as planned, I think the number one thing to do is get yourself a good tracking app and uh, body temperature thermometer. 
Um, so you can get to know your cycles, your body temperature, when you ovulate a little bit closer and you can track your uh, cervical fluid. The one that I use is called Kindara. I really like it because they have a thermometer called Wink that is really, really sensitive and one of the most accurate thermometers I feel like I've ever used. And it syncs automatically to your app and you can track everything from cervical fluid to custom entries. I mean, when you're trying to get pregnant, every little thing matters. So if you feel a little funny one day, you're going to add that as, uh, as something in your notes. And maybe you'll see over a couple of months that you feel kind of funny on the same day. Well, what does that mean? So I think that's really important. And that's when you start to get to know the signs of fertility. It will tell you when are probably the best days to... Um, to have sex and, and it'll give you a, a picture of when you're ovulating. Um, in general, when your temperature shifts, that's when you know you have ovulated. Not that you are ovulating, but that you have already ovulated. And a lot of people miss that and they're having sex too late and they don't even know that. It can also tell you if your luteal phase is a little bit too short. A lot of folks with really low body temperatures, which is something that I actually have and I, I deal with, may or may not have some like subclinically depressed thyroid function and metabolic function. And so it can help give you some ideas of what kind of doctor you need to see and what you need to talk about, whether that's thyroid function or, or looking for something like PCOS. So it can really open the gates for a lot of different possibilities um, to enlighten yourself on what might be going on. Awesome. Very helpful. Okay. Well, uh, that pretty much sums up a lot of my questions. What else do you think is important for someone to consider uh, in that state of wanting to have a baby or wanting to prepare their body for baby? I think the most important thing, and it sounds really hippie, but it's something that I had to learn after I had a baby, and I wish I'd learned it way before that, is to be really, really soft with yourself and to give yourself a lot of grace and a lot of space because the whole journey is difficult at times. I mean, for some people, for some people, they are, they, it looks like they make it look really easy. I'm not <laughs> one of those people. And that's probably not the person that's listening to this podcast right now. But just be open to the good and the bad. And as you pass through it, don't try and want, run away from it. I think a lot of the frustrations in, in these journeys that people deal with is, is trying to run away from the tough stuff and the bad feelings and the frustration. And really, if you can sit with it, it's a really good exercise for when you are pregnant and you do have a child and you just have to be in those difficult moments, those moments of frustration and, and things like that. And I know that sounds kind of like a probably hokey and a little too broad to be applicable, but I hope it makes sense because you know, especially if you're a perfectionist like me, when things aren't working the way you want it to, or if things are not working within a very narrow range of what you would consider acceptable and perfect, it gets really, really stressful. But now is the time to lose those walls, you know, that you put mm -hmm. around yourself and just really give yourself a lot of grace. Awesome. That's beautifully said, Liz. Thank you so much. Um, where can folks find out more about you and your work? I am always at realfoodliz.com. Well, that's inaccurate. I don't update that very frequently. So how about Instagram? Realfoodliz on Instagram and where you can sign up to get updates on the Baby Making and Beyond program. Just go straight to babymakingandbeyond.com. We will have a beta release 2018. So get on that list because I think we will go ahead and offer the beta release to folks who are signed up for the email list. 
Ooh, that's exciting. I can't wait. Okay, Liz, thank you so much for coming on today's show and sharing all of your wonderful thoughts and words of wisdom. Um, I cannot wait for this program to be available. And when it is, I'm going to just shout it from all the rooftops. Thank you, friend. Uh, Thank you. As always, you can find links to everything that we're talking about today. I'll provide links to Liz on Instagram. I'll provide a link to her mailing list so you can make sure that you're plugged in as well over on the show notes. And then if she said something that you missed or you're driving and you didn't have a chance to jot it down, don't worry. We've got a full transcript over at fedandfit.com as well. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. We'll be back again next week. <laughs>